doing, man? Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> um. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. It's referenced so often in pop culture. I think there's like... I think there's an episode of American Dad that it happens in or something really weird. Because it's very easy to just have somebody walk in from a, a, a bright background in a big suit. Yeah. They doesn't even have to be a mech suit. Just give them some really tall shoes or something. Do you know what I mean? And then it's very easy to replicate. Yeah. It's so, like, infinitely recognisable. Like the Terminator falling into the vat with his thumb sticking out. Yeah. It's so recognisable. It's brilliant. No, it was, inst- it was instantly um, iconic. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get to that, and why it's yes. so iconic, we've got some bullshit to talk about. We do. We are knee-deep in bullshit. Yes. Um, we need Hercules to clear the stables of whatever the fuck it was. What? What's the What's the story? It's something like that. Did I? What? <laughs> Hercules. He, that was one of his his labors. Oh. Was to clean a, Hercules' fifth layer's labor, the Orgean stables. Oh, I um, see. For the fifth labor, Eurystheus ordered Hercules to clean up King Orgeus's stables. Hercules knew it would mean getting dirty and smelly, but he re-sort of rooted a river, so it just washed it out. Yeah. And I always thought, wouldn't that mean that he just washed the horses down the river? Which doesn't seem like a good thing to do. No. But, you know, I'm not Hercules, so what do I know? No, you are You are not Hercules. Um, no, I I have too much of a pasta belly <laughs> to, to be Hercules. <laughs> um, what I will say is, is that um, this is going to be the first uh, bullshit segment that that we've we've started doing where we take the bullshit that we talk about and put it out as like an actual sort of segment that you can listen Ooh, to if you just want to hear. Exciting. Yep. So for those that are I like listening, that we refer to these sections as segments as though they're like part of a citrus fruit. Yeah. Well, do you know what? Um, Good. I just thought it sounds formal, even though we are the most informal couple of idiots mm-hmm. uh, life has ever managed to fart out. And, um, I'm drinking coffee that's gone cold. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> but anyway, so let me spin the, the fabled wheel of, of, of bullshite. Um, woo! Football between Scotland and football. England. Yes, football happened, didn't it? I watched it. Yeah. Oh, it was a fucking boring match. <laughs> My, right, I, I was, I've done some thinking about football, and I've come up with a conclusion. Um, football, as a game, is extremely well designed. The point system is very well designed. The rules are a good balance between intricate and simple. I, I think that it's an interesting game as a concept, because it has the idea of, like, such and such a person has strengths in such and such an area, and such and such other people have strengths in different areas, and so it's about balancing the people that you have on the team to make an all-rounder team, or a very attack-heavy team, or whatever it might be. Yeah. And there's also an element of chaos in the fact that one of your um, players could just like start vomiting on the pitch. Who fucking knows? I think it's a, it's a very well-designed game, but I don't like like the hooliganism and the intensity that comes with it. Yeah. People that are like, oh, I will support this football team forever until I die. Yeah. I will get drunk and fight people in a pub over this football team. It's like, mate, come on now. I know. You've, you've got like a, you've got a wife and kids back home. <laughs> Do you not think you should be over this? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, I, uh, it happened on, on Friday, um, the, the, the match between uh, Scotland and England and the, in the Euros. And by the way, this is the, I think, probably the second time that I've spoken about football, which Ooh, yep. is really 
fucking irksome. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to see this in the news. I don't want to have to talk about this shit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So I was on the train down to London, and uh, on the Thursday, and there was oh a. Oh God! Yeah, of course you were. Yeah, there was a lot of fucking football fans on the train, and it was like they weren't they weren't doing anything. They weren't doing anything like bad. And see, when I got off the train, like it was. I hate to say it, but I felt like a sort of weird <laughs> sense of belonging with these absolute <laughs> fucking idiots going, "It's coming home, it's coming home." It's like you're in another country, mate. So where is it coming? Where is it coming home to? You know? Um, yeah. But I, I, I really liked the reactions to because it was for those for those that didn't watch it, it was nil nil. Uh, and everyone in Scotland treated that as an absolute resounding victory <laughs> that must be celebrated until yeah, the end yeah. of time. And people in England, uh, on the whole, were just like, "Ah, it was, you know." Well, there you go. Because um, I know that I know that uh, Scotland, like compared to England, doesn't have a very good football mm-hmm. team. So I, I think, like, especially when I went down to London, the people that I spoke to were rather surprised by Scotland's performance. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I've no idea what that means for the for the grand scheme of things. Um, but um, well, uh, would you like me to explain it to you? Yeah. With my poor understanding of the way it works. Yeah. Go on. I think it's essentially a tournament system, but there are too many participants for it to be a basic tournament. So instead, they have groups of teams, and then the, those teams battle it out to move on to the next round, and so on and so on until eventually you get a winner so scotland and england just so happen to be in the same group um and i think the way it works is i think it's three points for a win two points for a draw one point for a loss so after each match a point will a a team will have a point score that gets updated and that will determine the number of points they have at the end of that group session or whatever (laughs) after all the groups matches have played that number of points will determine whether or not they move on or not right um that that's how it works i think i see okay I still don't really understand it, but, you know, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It was ever so strange because it was this Scottish commentator. Clearly, because we watched it on ITV, so the ITV coverage was like, um, clearly um, they didn't want to fork out to broadcast it separately in Scotland and England. Yeah. So they got, like, an English commentator and a Scottish commentator who clearly weren't very happy to be working (laughs) with each other. And um, they were like, oh, um," every now and then England would get, like, a corner or a free kick. And the Scottish um, commentator would be like, oh, they didn't deserve that. Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, uh, And then the, the exact opposite would happen when the same thing happened to Scotland. Yeah. It's just bizarre. I do I do like a sort of Scottish commentator's voice because it always sort of sounds like, and here we are back at the game and we have multiple, uh, we have multiple sort of strategies being played out before us. And, uh, oh, here we go. And uh, football name number one has been given the ball and he is moving into the halfway zone. And it's like that really... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Like, every every football commentator sounds like a guy who's like in his mid-40s and like, just really is struggling to keep his eyes open when he's watching. I think that's because they are. <laughs> I think that's because that, that what you just described is the demographic of football commentators. <laughs> like, it was... Um, it's ever so strange because I think it was quite a big deal recently that um, an ex... Um, I think it was the the female England football team. Um, a player that used to play for them became a commentator fairly recently for like I think it was Sky News or Sky Sports. Or I'm going to be honest with you, Dan. This I'm pulling this out of my ass. This is like fourth hand information, but like I'm pretty sure that happened. And she was there. 
during the Scotland v England um, Euros, she was like pitch side. Yeah. Um, and it's quite stark to see like the Sky Sports team, and it's like half a dozen middle-aged men and her. It's really strange. <laughs> like it's it's bizarre to have such a, a singular demographic that you go for as your commentators. It's weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a bizarre. It's such a bizarre thing that 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 this a sport is so sort of fervently defended and fervently attacked on behalf of um mm. do you know i saw i saw like it was quite funny but like also at the same time i was sort of embarrassed to be um from scotland i saw um a, a large group of of a uh, uh, scottish gentlemen in in london uh, mm. at, at the statue of uh, william shakespeare and all of what, them in why is com- it in london I'm sure it was in London. Wasn't he from Stratford? So, no, I'm, I'm I'm agreeing with you. It probably was in London. But I'm saying, who erected a statue of Shakespeare in London? Whose decision was that? Oh, I don't know. Some 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 fucker. Um, should have stayed in Stratford because then it wouldn't have ever. This wouldn't have ever happened. Uh, they were all oh, chanting okay. in unison. Um, you're just a shite, Rabbi Burns. Uh, <laughs> Rabbi Burns. Robert. I think Robert Burns. Yeah, Robert Burns. Poet. Yeah. Okay. The way the way Scottish people pronounce it is Rabbi Burns. Um, okay. And I'm um, sure if Robert Burns was, was alive, he'd be like, can you please stop mispronouncing my name, you bunch of assholes? <laughs> I imagine someone, someone quite as literally focused as Robert Burns, he probably would be like, no, I'm Robert Burns <laughs> and I'm nothing else. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I like, I, I like Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare. I really like Shakespeare. Shakespeare was a, was a, was a very intelligent uh, man. So to see, you know, my countryman, uh, sc- screaming, yeah, just uh, yeah, like that, and that's a horrible Glaswegian vernacular. I was like, oh my god. Um, uh, I mean, I have no strong opinions either way about Shakespeare. Um, <clears throat> and I don't, think, I don't think I'm familiar enough with Robert Burns's work to, to criticize. Yeah, he was a praise. poet, and Shakespeare was mm. a poet, but he wrote about a million plays as well. Mm. Um, I, mean, I, I, poetry is one of those things I struggle to appreciate. I think because it's um. There's this really interesting quote. I forgot where I heard it from. It might have been a book that's not at all to do with art. But they said, um, it's pointless trying to go up to a, a piece of art, if it's a sculpture or a painting or whatever, and say, okay, so what does this mean in words? Because if it meant something in words, you would have said it. Yeah, true. So I always think, is it is poetry not sort of self-limiting in a funny way? I, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a strange thing. Because what the connotations a certain word might have for um, the poet might be completely different to the connotations a certain word might have for the, the reader. Yeah. So you're making a subjective sort of piece of art when you want to be expect- sort of saying this one particular point of view. I don't know. I've never I've never seen the appeal of poetry. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe poetry is objectively good and I'm just thick. But I don't know. I'm not... I've never been a huge poetry fan. No, I've never looked... I've never looked, read a poem... And been like, oh my god, what is that? Is amazing. I mean, yeah, I t- I've never read a poem and thought it was better than an equivalent piece of prose. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that you would probably have. To, I think poetry is one of those things that you would have to like, study in order to appreciate. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. if anyone just read The Great Gatsby without actually mm. like, sort of, you know, trying to think about what what it means and what the symbolism is, I think they would just be like, wow, these people are fucking awful. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's the same with *Of Mice and Men*. You'd be like, "God, that book's over quickly." <laughs> that big guy just killed a lady. That was that was a bit weird. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't care about it. Yeah, but um, 
yeah, so that's uh, that that was my bit of bullshit mm. for the week. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. My only thing about my only remaining qualm with football at the moment is that it's frustrating that the economy is reopening, starting with football, which yeah. is perhaps the worst place to start that. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's all well and good saying. Um, like there's all these laws about pubs like you have to be sat down in a pub and you have to be eating as well as drinking or you can't sort of move around in the pub sort of thing um but then also there's people crowding around outside Wembley and it's like oh there's 6000 people in this tiny little square yeah um and now if if one of them's got covid they all will have by the end of the night mm-hmm. so it's well what's the point in 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 playing it that way do you know what i mean it's it's yeah i do it it's it feel, yeah you either go with a a, a sort of a a proportion-based reopening or a completely random happenstance-based reopening. And it's the happenstance one is what Boris seems to have gone with in his infinite glory and wisdom <laughs> rather than a, okay, well, let's just, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're in a theatre, whether you're going to watch football, whether you're in a pub, whatever you're doing, you can only have these set of rules to follow. As long as you follow these rules, do what you like. Surely that would be a more sensible way to do it and say, okay, well, we can open theatres a bit slowly or we can do this, we can do that. Oof. No, definitely. I mean, I think that there is a sort of greater leniency to football uh, when it comes yeah, to like, what, what's allowed. Frustrating. Yeah, it's like you know, um, what was it? Uh, the the um, the march, uh, the, the the feminist march. I can't remember where it was in London. Like the the huge police presence that was there, and the and like the number of arrests that took place, and it was a it was a vigil, and it was like it was so overly sort of. Uh, oh Christ! Yeah, I remember that. It was it was about the 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 sort of recent killing of of a of a woman by a police officer. Yeah, and then there was just this overwhelming police presence, and you think, well, can you not see the irony there? Yeah, can you not see how that maybe is a bit fucked? And then like, it was either it was either like just before or like very shortly after there was a huge football march, um, like and police weren't like intervening; they were like sort of ex- escorting, which is like. I mean, just proportionally, how how those two things, like, how can you you know justify the sort of different measures of response when one mm. erupted in fights over men kicking a fucking ball around, and the other was something that's actually really fucking important and yeah, exactly. You know, it um, um yeah, I mean you're completely. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I you know I'm not having a go if you like football and all that and you get into it and it's your thing and it's your passion i'm not having a go but it's just like proportionally it's really ever yeah, yeah exactly but um ah, well it's one of the one of the no I, I completely understand what you mean it's it's um the things we see in life influence the way we live our lives yeah. and like if you see on if it's even if it's eastenders or something if there's a lesbian couple in one of the houses and you think oh then there's kids watching you think oh well, the kids must just know oh that's acceptable then the things we watch influence the way we live our live our lives. So to see, like, it's okay in times of pandemic for people to um, go to the football and spread COVID around and all go and do some heavy drinking and oh, it's just the things we see influence the way we live our lives. And it just it frustrates me to see such bizarre hypocrisy yep. of like, um, oh well, you can kneel if you want to to be against racism, rather than. Shouldn't we all just be against racism? Yeah, definitely. Should that not be a default standpoint? Yep. <laughs> Oi. No, it's just 
it's it is like you know you're allowed to go and trash George Square, but you can't you know stand mm. at a, a vigil for for a woman who was I know, who I was know. killed. Um, but life is shit. So <laughs> <laughs> you say you say the way the, the way we uh, the things we see influences our lives. That's why I'm a miserable fuck. Um, but there you go. I, that's that's yeah. You're right. The the things we see influence our lives and all that stuff. That's why I've I haven't deleted a lot of social media, but like I deleted Reddit off my phone um, because I mean I don't even know the password, so it, I'm I'm never going to get access to a Reddit account again. Yeah. But like um, I've deleted Reddit and um, I've I'm like had a big following purge. Like I went through my Twitter and unfollowed a lot of people. I went through my Instagram and my Facebook and like unfollowed, defriended, and all that stuff. Um, and now I'm just a bit happier <laughs> in general. I'm just a bit happier because I don't have to see, like, after a while of scrolling through Twitter, you get through all the stuff. It's like, oh, people I know are doing things. And then it's um, people I don't know are talking about politics. Yeah. And then that just makes me very angry. Yeah. So it, it's just nice to be away from that. Definitely. But there you are. That was uh, that was the first uh, bullshit segment. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah. It was a bit rambly, but that's the whole point, I suppose. It is. Yeah, so thanks, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah, so for those that are actually listening to the full podcast, what, yeah, now we have to talk about the film. <laughs> so see you next time, unless you're still listening. Um, but yeah, so um, this week we're talking about the sequel to the film we did last week, which is Aliens. Yeah. And this time there's lots of aliens. Yeah, there's more than one. <laughs> That's a really interesting way of like do it. Like Night of the Museum. What if there was like just multiple museums that they had to like go to? That kind of is what happened in Night at the Museum too though. Oh, it was the Smithsonian, Smithsonian yeah. There was lots of cuz the Smithsonian is made up of several different museums. So Terminator 1, Terminator 2, there were two Terminators, yeah. Terminator 2. God, is this just like a thing that I didn't realise? They should have just said, like, another night at another museum. That could have been the the title of it. That would have been better. Um, Another night. Chloe and I recently watched all three Night at Museums back to back. I didn't really Um, like the third one. uh, It was okay. It's better than the second one. Um, The second, it seems to be a weird thing. It's like the third film, they kind of rediscover what made the originals okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the... The second, the second one had um the guy from Friends as the, the brother of um, what's uh Rami Rami Malek's character um, oh Hank oh um Hank Azaria yes is that who you're talking that's about? who I'm talking about yeah um and also from The Simpsons yes and from loads of fucking stuff yep. he's done loads of stuff Hank Azaria has. he certainly has um but anyway yeah. um but and and it's, oh yeah he's funny because he's got a lisp. Is that the funniness of his character trait? Surely the funniness is is Hank Azari is a funny guy. Yeah, he's a skilled actor as well. Can't you can't you let him do some acting rather than making him put a funny voice on? Do you know what I mean? No, definitely. It's weird. I I do like I do like the sort of scene between him and Ben Stiller when they're like arguing about what it's like. Don't touch this, and it's like if you touch this, I will kill you again. And then he keeps touching it, and he just he's like, I'm gonna kill you if you keep touching it. It's like just you know. It's a f- yeah, yeah. It lasts for about five minutes, and it's actually quite, it's, it's actually quite amusing. But um, but we're not talking about the night night of the museum. We're talking about a film that is tonally incredibly similar, and the night at the museum. Yep, yep. I'll 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 figure out how to branch those two trees loose um, in a minute. <laughs> and it was written by 
Uh, James Cameron. It was directed by James Cameron and is, star- is starring Sigourney Weaver, uh, Michael Bean, uh, Paul Reiser, Lance Herrickson, and Gary Hune? Hearn? Hen! Hen! Oh, Hen! With two N's. No, no, we're going to have a look. Are it's Gary Hen. I'm, pro- I'm sh- 98% sure it's Gary 98% Hen. 98% sure, okay. Um, there is just a very close-up picture of Sigourney Weaver's face. Is the, is the picture on, a, on IMDb. Um, Carrie Hen. H-E-N-N. Yep. Oh, Carrie Hen. Carrie. Oh, I've put Gary. Um, but anyway. It's a little... It's a little I know. Honestly, <laughs> I think it was called Gary. She was called Gary. But anyway, uh, do you have an opening statement? Um, yeah. Why does Danny think this little girl is called Gary? <laughs> is she also a plumber? Like, <laughs> um, good opening statement. I like it. You know, you covered all the bases there. Uh, a fantastic sequel that doesn't even try to copy the original and ups the stakes, expands the lore without it seeming far-fetched or ridiculous. Yes, exactly. It. Um, I really, really like this movie. I, I, I like that... I like that everything's really dirty. It's the same as from the first one. Yeah. Everything being dirty is quite a satisfying thing in a funny way. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that kind of does make sense that things are all super dirty. Everything's very sweaty. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, do you have any CRQs? Um, I I do. I do. Are you sure? I'm just, sorry, I'm looking at, <laughs> sorry, I'm on the IMDb page. I'm, I'm like, and there's pictures of things that I don't remember happening in the film. I'm sure they did happen. And I'm, maybe I was like, looking away or checking my phone or something. I, I've Sorry, I'm ma- massively distracted. Sorry. Um, right, okay. There's an alien queen. So, right, the thing that I always think the aliens must be like is ants. Because, or bees maybe, because they're kind of insecty in their vibe. Yeah. And there's a queen who lays eggs. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, a, there's, we talked about the, the sort of horrendous um, life cycle the last, last episode. Yeah. But like, the queen lays eggs so does that mean this is my theory right because all bees are female pretty much uh-huh. because of the way they reproduce there's like no male bees or there's or, or they become male i listened to a podcast about bees about a year ago so this, <laughs> is a, this is very poorly remembered so here's my hot theory is that the alien in alien and aliens is a girl boss that's my um oh that's my hot theory I mean that does that does seem to be the trend that Hollywood is like going on, like, yeah. like rather than like compassion, and like you know being a decent person, a girl boss nowadays seems to be, oh my god, uh, she skins puppies. She's a great uh, feminist role model. Oh my god, that is amazing, isn't it? When somebody told me, yeah, the the plot for Cruella is that her her villain origin story is that Dalmatians killed her mum. I was like. Oh my god, what? <laughs> Dalmatians killed her mum? It's brilliant, I love that. The, I'm, I'm being I'm being deliberately facetious, because there is like, some nuance to, to the Cruella film. Um, yeah, yeah. That, but I'm, maybe we can do one day, but like, it's like, you know, choosing choosing the, 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 the character that is just known for wanting a fucking coat out of some Dalmatian puppies and being like, I am woman. Hear me roar! It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, no! Come on! Yeah, there's yeah. so much. You don't get to have both a female empowerment story, yeah. and a lady that wants to skin puppies. <laughs> because I don't think those things really, really go hand in hand. Because women that want to skin puppies don't deserve to be empowered, pal. 
you know, it's just so. F- oh, for God's sake. Um. Yeah, it's um. But no. Anyway, going back to this, somehow we're on a tangent of a tangent. But um, yeah, this um strange modern trend of girl boss being a, a very cruel, wicked person. It's very weird. Yes. Because it's um, it's there's like a lot of um feminist literature and stuff that talks about how. The problem with with uh, like uh, having a, a feminist character in a in a film be an identical clone of a male character. Oh, but she's a woman. The problem with that is that then her being a woman isn't relevant to the story. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm I think I'm butchering a quote that I I'm misremembering by somebody. But I think my problem with this modern trend of cruel, strange girl boss characters is well then that's not an interesting character. Mm-hmm. That's the same character we've had before. They just happen to be a woman. So you're not actually doing anything interesting with the story or with the characters. Yeah. So, yes, have female-led movies, but also have them be interesting characters. Yeah. If you're going to do something good, it's worth doing it properly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I do think that this film is like a sort of spiritual... Like, as well as just like a sequel, it's like a successor. Because mm. in the first film, it is just a horrible sort of life cycle... And you know yeah. it's like a parody of birth and you know a, you know life starting, and you know in some cases lit, like motherhood and stuff like that. Whereas this film yeah, yeah. sort of goes one step further, and doesn't make a joke out of it, and mm-hmm. like doesn't say that it's dreadful all the time, and let you know the fact that that Ripley actually fights the mother of like the horrible, uh, paradoxical life cycle. You know, mm. and has a surrogate daughter when her, uh, you know, birth daughter is like, you know, she, you know, she's dead. She, you know, she's been asleep for fifty years and she just is gone. You know, um, yeah. Which is like, it's 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 sort of like, yeah, life is horrible and cruel, and the universe, you know, doesn't care about you. But at the same time, humans have this extremely tenacious ability to, to make meaning and to make connections if you know what i mean you know yeah yeah um, it's, it's, yeah that's something i like about it's, it's somehow in both this and doctor who which seem to be our two our, our big big thing is doctor who um but yeah it's about how humans sort of intenable untenable no, that's not the right word humans sort of strong nature of like uh, they will always pack bond with anything yeah which is something sort of in a weird way, it's quite sweet when you see it in real life. How humans like they'll put googly eyes on their Roomba and then start cuddling up to it, and be like, <laughs> "Oh, it's Steve, my Roomba," and then then they start stroking the Roomba. It's weirdly sweet. Humans have this innate desire and ability to sort of love, and I think that's so. It's a wonderful thing to see portrayed in films, yeah. And it's a wonderful thing to see questioned. Of like, well, Ripley wants to to sort of love this 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 girl that she finds whose parents have died, and that's. Is that just an inherently good? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, it's almost I really it, fucking like aliens, man. It's almost that like, uh, I feel it almost like it's um a bit like Logan. Have you ever seen Logan? Mm, I have. It was brilliant. You know, like um, he's he's. Uh, we should do. We should probably do Logan at some point. But um, definitely. Yeah. This podcast is just us discovering films and shit that we need to do rather than. To, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's the longest to-do list I have because as soon as I finish them, I, I've thought of a hundred more things. Yeah, but let's sort of tonally, it's like you know, a, a a person who, for all intents and purposes, is at the end of the rope and has lost most things in their lives, and like because of circumstance, uh, 
they have like a new sort of reason to to mm. to you know continue or to be um somewhat happy again with Ripley. You've got her like, basically losing her entire family, and because she's been asleep for so long, and like all she can do now is like just live with her cat. It's like you know. And then mm. the fact that some of these xenomorphs have survived, but oh, her only desire, and it's not a very good desire to have, is to just mm. completely exterminate, a you know, a a a different life form. I mean, it's like I, I'm not. That's another thing I'm going to ask in a minute. But like, and with Logan, he's like all he has is Patrick Stewart, you know, and he's like just miserable and he's drinking, and then, you know, he finds this. Uh, little girl that he has to sort of you know look after um mm. so it's tonally they're quite they're quite similar um yeah yeah but what's the correct response to the xenomorph extermination is it completely wholly justified to eradicate them um well the thing is they're less of a life form more of a disease do you know what i mean yeah because they all they do is kill if they were, if the, if this was like a self-defense thing, or they were trying to build a colony or something, then I would kind of think, okay, well maybe leave them on their own and they'll, I don't know, kill rats or something. Then maybe if they develop a culture and and language and stuff like that, maybe there's there's redeeming qualities to them. But they would never do that. Yeah. Because they've been genetically engineered to just be murdering psychopath alien things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no redeeming. There's there's no arc that you could put an alien through, <laughs> at which point they they come out the other side like um, a, a a good person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What if they became like pets? What if they were like domesticated? Um, what? how how precisely would one domesticate an alien? I don't know. What if you like captured an alien and like tried to like mm. you know alter it genetically? And then, like, um, try and get rid of some of the, the the bad shit that was put in it. So you're kind of you're kind of describing what humans have done to wolves. Yeah, a little bit. In a very strange way. Yeah, like an extreme version of that. Like, um, eventually, would you get like an alien that's like a little pug? Yeah, like an uh, like a French oh, bulldog alien. Yeah. Shit, what's that film? Um, it's an animated film, and the 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 dog in it is like a xenomorph sort of clone thing. Um. And it's like it pisses acid. <laughs> it's, I, I it's actually really have cute. No idea. It's really oh, I need to find it. I need to find it now. It's like um, oh, animated alien film. It's like a human it's comes to an alien world, acid. and it's right. like oh my god, an alien. You know, because it's like it's an astronaut that's come to, a, you know, an alien world. I can't, mm. I can't think. Um, Planet Fifty One. That's what it's called. Okay. And it's a. Uh, it's got a little um, xenomorph dog in it, as a sort of you know a callback to Alien, obviously. Um, but what if you could make xenomorphs like that? That'd be, you know, they could still. I mean, they'd still be pissing acid, which isn't good. But um. <laughs> mm. But then I suppose the question. Oh. Because. The xenomorph, it's not like an, it, it's not a distinct species. The only reason the xenomorph looks the way it does is because it's been hosted and grown by a human. If if, yeah. if if it jumped out of the egg and onto a penguin, then it would look a bit like a penguin. If it jumped out of the egg and jumped onto a snake, then it would be a little snake thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's it, 
I mean, do they you know age? What it reminds me of it's like um, cordyceps fungus. Are you aware of them? No. They are a fungus where the spores get into the body of an ant. I think it's an ant. It might be a spider. Um, and then they sort of infect the brain of the ant, mm-hmm. and the ant starts to behave differently and climbs up a tree and jumps off to kill itself. Yeah. So that then the mushroom can grow in the earth. It's it's like that. I, I don't know. It's yeah. I don't even know if they are a species because it's. It literally is just like a weird clone race. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. What what I really don't like is the fact that Burke tries to use like, the ethical sort of ramifications to protect his, his you know, money, his his Oof. financial installations. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, there's a lot, a big dollar sign attached to this installation. And then, like, and we don't give a shit. And he's like, well, you can't execute an entire life for it. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Do you know what I mean? You corporate stooge. Um. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Comrade Danny and Comrade Lewis's podcast. I mean, I mean, how can how can you not? Right, the the entire the, the entire reason that this has happened is because of the co- uh, the company uh, Wayland Utani or whatever Wayland it's Utani, called. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe not the entire. I mean, there's the 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 Prometheus film where you know you get to know why the the ship is there, but I ignore them. I just think that the two fit. These are the two that I count. Oh, and um, Alien Isolation, the video game, which I have literally zero knowledge. Of. Oh man! So you play. Tell me a bit about that that game. So you play Ripley's daughter, Amanda. Okay. Um, who, uh, she's she's heard about like the the Nostromo, uh, going offline. And no contact being made, and they haven't returned home. So, like, this is like as alien is happening, and Amanda goes out to um a station called um Sevestable Station to get the flight recorder for the Nostromo. Okay. To find out like exactly what happened to her mother, um, and then, uh, aliens obviously get involved. I mean, because another group of people have been to the derelict ship. And the, you know, the aliens end up getting on board and then you have to sort of survive and sort of figure out a way to get rid of them. Um, okay. But the AI in that game for the alien is so, so fucking intelligent. It is like unbelievable. Like they, I, I, have no, I have no idea how they... Like there hasn't been a game since where like you feel as if like an alien is like stalking you and like coming after mm. you. It's like you make noise... Regardless of where it is in the map, it will come and find you. You know, it's like mm. it, it. It can. It can. In some instances, it can outsmart you, and so it's like really, really, really scary to try yeah. like, to try and avoid it. Um, and it, it ends quite ambiguously because, like, we don't. Amanda, we we actually don't know what happens to her, so we don't know whether mm. she like dies there or whether she manages to get home but it's like yeah again it's that sort of uncertainty and it adds to sort of ripley's sort of trauma of not knowing what happened to her daughter because we don't even know so we empathize with her more in that sense Mm. and the fact that it came out it came out in like 2013 so it came out much later and sigourney sigourney weaver actually recorded like a sort of um note in it for uh, Amanda, the character that you play, so to sort of keep the sort of lore sort of, 
you know, connected. In a funny way, yeah. yeah. So it's a really good game. So th- those are the three that I only ca- that I only count, you know, for the for the Alien franchise. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, and you learn more about Whalen Yutani. You and how, you know, their companies look full of like corruption, um, and uh, androids are given more lore. Like androids are look okay. more accepted and like. They obviously turn on you as well. The androids are really mm. scary in that game, actually. Um, and I like in this film where it's like, again, I'm going back to this sort of spiritual successor sort of thing. It's like the android presence in this film sort of is is ironically more deserving of life than some of the humans yeah. in, in, in the in the story, which is, which is kind of, you know, sad, but nice <laughs> yeah i know what you mean yeah it's um i i love bishop the android i think it's um he he's really cool I don't, there's something i love a good android character full stop but i love yeah. bishop and i love data i think there's something about not the vanity as such but the fact that they question themselves yep that i think i, I really really enjoy that and it's something you don't see like c3po or r2d2 or anybody do i think it's it's something very nice about seeing an android question themselves and question their own existence a bit it's, it's nice yep it's like a sort of it's it's um it's it's being envious of what human beings take for granted you know yes exactly it's like mm. a greater sort of appreciation in some cases for life than human beings and mm. consciousness mm. and sort of like belonging and love and st- stuff like that because you know it's like yeah because there's that tng episode measure of a man um, where data is literally on trial. They're like, okay, are you a human? Are you a robot? Are you somewhere in the middle? The fuck's going on, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. No. Um, um, ignoring the canon, how do you think Xenomorphs, like, evolved? I know you said ignoring the canon, but the entire point is that they didn't evolve, right? Well, say, we'll say, they, say they did evolve... How would they have evolved, okay. in your opinion? Okay, so... I think that that's something you can see. I mean, obviously, the only the only evidence we have for evolution is is on Earth. So, the, the trend you see on Earth evolution is to get cleverer and just to, to sort of incrementally get better at whatever incredibly niche ecological thing you do. Yeah. So, like, um, parrotfish or whatever get s- slightly stronger beaks with each generation so that they can bite bits of coral off and poop out the sand. Mm-hmm. And you get, like... Um, obviously, that's the trend of humans, is our brains have gotten bigger, so our heads have gotten bigger. And that's the that's the trend sort of thing. Yep. So, tracking that backwards, <laughs> what would... So, the alien, obviously, is very intelligent and very mobile... So we have to track it backwards, so to a, to a stupid, not very mobile version of the alien. Yeah, which would be some kind of shitty little lizard, I guess. Because, <laughs> um, okay, right? If if so, the alien eggs. How long can they lie dormant for? Because if they can lie dormant for centuries or something, then then the evolution would take an incredibly slow period of time. Yeah, that's why evolutionary biologists study insects is because the life cycle of a cricket is three weeks. So they can study evolution very quickly because you can get through a hundred generations in a year or whatever. So, oh, that's probably not true, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So uh, this is 
that's a really interesting question. So backtracking the evolution, you'd need a sort of stupid, not very mobile lizard creature. Yep. Um, they have acid blood and an exoskeleton. I thought about this before. There's a thing in science um, where your EM chemicals, lithium, sodium, magnesium, um, I need to have a look at a periodic table to remember what they're called. Um, hang on, everybody. Your periodic table. Your, uh, yes, the group one elements, um, which I've completely fucking forgotten the name of. Group one elements, lithium, sodium, potassium, rubidium, cesium, and francium. Or francium. I don't think anybody really knows. Um, they react with water to explode. Uh-huh. That's just a thing they do. They have to be stored, submerged in oil. Because if they interact too much with um, oxygen and with water, then they explode. Yeah. So my theory has always been that the exoskeleton of the xenomorph is one of those group one elements. Because while they are quite soft, things like um, lithium and sodium, it could be a lithium-sodium alloy or something. Because like, um, like lithium-ion batteries, they're not soft. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't just crumble one in your hands. So I've always thought maybe the exoskeleton is a group one metal like lithium. Yeah. Where when it comes into contact with oxygen... Or, or when it comes into contact with water in the bloodstream, it becomes an acid, or it becomes some kind of corrosive liquid. Uh-huh. Um, th- these are all just things I've thought about Alien in the years <laughs> since I first watched the film. Um, so combining those things, they've got metal exoskeletons, like those like those flying manta rays from that episode of Doctor Who. Yes. Um, so maybe um, they were some kind of underwater l- lizardy, squiddy manta ray thing, that was stupid and not very mobile. And then they got access to uh, minerals and metals in rocks, like coral, like parrotfish. Bloody hell, it's all coming together. Like parrotfish. Parrot, the, the digestive system of a parrotfish, they chomp off bits of rock. They have very, very strong beaks. They chomp off bits of coral, then eat it up and poo out sand. And then the sand becomes ocean floor and beaches and, you know, anywhere you'd find sand. Yeah. So... The these this these ancient xenomorph creatures were little parrotfish things which ate rocks which had a high concentration of lithium in them. The ocean would have to be some kind of non water water, oh, like man. um some kind of um I don't know, some kind of oil based liquid or something, I don't know. Um so the, they then had a lot of lithium in their bodies which they started processing into bones and exoskeletons. Yeah. And then I think through the natural selection over time of creatures which are more mobile and more intelligent i think that's you'd go from squiddy fish thing that eats metal <laughs> in rocks to a xenomorph <laughs> that's my answer there you go whoa give him a round of applause <laughs> folks. Wait. I like I need a shower jesus, jesus christ <laughs> do you know what it's it, what's interesting is is that the, the xenomorph um i've i've, I've changed the pronunciation about three times. The xenomorph um, has an instinct to, like, kill, mm. but it doesn't kill its own kind, which is, yes. like... But somehow it's unclouded by conscience or remorse or delusions mm. of morality, mm. but it still has uh, the ability to recognise members of its own species. Maybe it's a tactical thing. Maybe it's sort of... It's aware of its sort of tactical... Um, the tactical advantage of having more of you. Like, if you were going into a medieval battle or whatever, or even just a not-medieval battle, if you were in the Xenomorph's place in this movie, yeah. and um, 
it, we were fighting a lot of Martians and it was me and you, you'd sort of realise maybe it's better to have four hands instead of two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe. I, Do you know what? But then which one of us would Ripley crush with a, <laughs> with a hydraulic suit? Mm. Do you know what, I, what would have been really interesting? Is if mm. all the xenomorphs were like individually just meant to kill everything and ended up like killing each other. Yeah, that would have been quite interesting. It's like a it's like it's like an oversight almost in the genetic. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't even recognise its members of its own species. It's just so hostile to all other forms of life, even its own. Like that would be kinda it's it's individual survival that is all that it cares about, mm, rather than mm, that would be very interesting. Yeah, you know, but you know, but it's almost like how a fly is more of a robot than it is a a animal. Yeah, because it's just like if you if you're near a near a wind source, near a sun source, go towards it, sort of thing. Yeah, it doesn't have any kind of brain; it just has impulses. Unless yeah. unless a window's open and then it can't fucking. But it's like that scene in Family Guy. Where Peter's trying to like, tell a fly how to get out the window. It's like, wait, wait, is it over here? Where is it? No, no, it's there. It's there. Look, right in front of you. Oh, I can't really see it. I'm just going to go back upstairs. And it just <laughs> flies off. But, um, I'll tell you something I've got weirdly good at is um, Aldi for a bit. They sold these spider catchers. Oh. Which essentially are like litter pickers, but instead of two pinchy things, it's like a little, um, it's like 10 or 20 pinchy things that are sort of soft. Yeah. So the idea is that you sort of, you open them, and then close them around the spider, and the spider is sort of entrapped by the sheer number of arms that, that that are around it. And then you stick the end out of a window and drop the spider onto the street, sort of thing. And then that's how you get rid of the spider. Oh. It's really good because then you're you're a meter and a half away from the spider that you're trying to catch, so it makes it slightly less terrifying. Yeah. Um, but the thing I've gotten weirdly good at is catching insects out of the air with it. I did it a completely as a fluke once. I caught a wasp with one. Um, it was flying around the kitchen at, um, I think it was my mum and dad's house, and I, I had one of these things, and I caught a spider, uh, caught a wasp out of the air with it, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> and um, I remember shouting, Chloe, open the front door, um, <laughs> and I just sort of threw the wasp out the door, sort of thing, and slammed the door. Um, but yeah, now that's the way I catch flies. It's, it's, it's one of these things. Yeah, trying to catch flies out of the air with it. After a bit, I normally succeed. Moths are a bit tricky though, because they're so flat. Well, it's hard to catch a moth because they just wiggle out. Well, it's an art that you've, that I'm sure that you've mastered. Since. <laughs> <laughs> that and Tetris. Yeah, those are my two skills. Excellent. Um, I'm trying to think. I, how is? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, you compared Tetris to like catching flies, like with. <laughs> I don't know, I, I'm just very good at Tetris. Oh, you're just That's, listing two unrelated. I'm, I'm listing two unrelated I things see. that I'm good at. Yeah. I see. Um. <clears throat> The, it, the ending's a bit abrupt, isn't it? It is a bit. It's yeah. like it's like oh, fine, let's go to sleep, dream, and then it ends. It's like there's not really a lot of time to sort of think. process what you've just seen. Yeah, yeah. The, um, it that that it's like when you finish a book, and it's like if it's like an old sort of um, Penguin Publishing type book or something, you finish it, you read the last page, and then you close the book and put it down. You think, whoa, and then you're sort of like processing it. But if it's a more modern printing of a book then you close turn the last page then you turn it and it's like and now an advert for the next book sort of thing yeah <laughs> and it's like oh when you're reading on a kindle and you click on the next page next page next page read the last page click next page and it takes you to the kindle store for the next book yep and you're like oh for fuck's sake so it is a bit like that it's like such an abrupt ending and it's like okay now it's the end <laughs> leave the cinema no definitely um 
I think I might be out of notes. I think I'm also out of notes. Fucking we're only about 50 minutes of this. <laughs> yeah, I know, we're like 10 minutes behind. Uh, oh, fuck it. Do you know what? I'm not fu- I'm not going to force out some half-baked fucking bullshit argument to sort of tide us. Listen, we've, we've said what we've said. We've said what we've said about the film. Shut up. Mm. <laughs> Let's do closing statements and then I've got a bit of bullshit. Oh, okay. Um, We're going to do a double bullshit. Oh my god, two segments. Uh, yeah, Zombie uh, <laughs> Zombieland 2, d- uh, double bullshit. Oh, there you go, there you go. What's that film called Double Tap? Double- the first one was good, I haven't seen the second one. I haven't one. seen the second one either. Um, but anyway. Oh, right. um, Woody Harrelson's a bit... Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> a very good film, uh, but why the fuck does James Cameron love mech suits so much? Are you telling me you don't love mechs? I do, but like he's get out of my podcast. No, it's in <laughs> it's in Avatar. It's in this. I'm sure it'll be in uh-huh. something else. Yeah, what else has he done? Yeah, there's the famous mech suits from Titanic. There's the mech suits from Terminator. There's oh, shut his up! Famous mech suits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't that make Titanic so much better if like Jack and Rose are in that car and then there's some just like a, a <laughs> when the Titanic comes out the corner. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> What are you doing in that car? And then this big mech suit. Or if the car turned into a transformer. <laughs> and Rose are like in the in it as though it's a big mech. Rose. Oh god. Rose pretending that there's not enough space on the on the on the floating board, and Ripley shows up in a big mech suit and just shouts, "Get away from him, you bitch!" And then picks Leonardo, plucks Leonardo DiCaprio out of the ocean and yep. gives him a piggyback ride to... Where are they? To New York. Yep. That's where and, and, yeah. and she's like, it's okay, Newt. I've got you. And he's like, what? And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, my closing statement is uh, one of the classic action movies. It has a brilliant blend of creepy terror and also ridiculous action. It um, there are bits that remind you of of Predator. You know that bit in Predator when um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and his mates are like, "Oh, the Predator's in that jungle somewhere," and they all shoot at a bit of jungle and successfully cut down several trees yeah. with the power of guns. Um, it's there are bits that remind you of that, but there are also bits that are slightly reminiscent of the first movie. Uh huh. Um, I really like this movie. It's a really good one. No, definitely. Um, but I want to hear some of your bullshit, so I'm going to spin the Fantastic. wheel again. Um, you read it. Yes. I forgot that Discord hates this noise, so I can't tell when the wheel has stopped. The wheel has now stopped. Fantastic. Okay, mushrooms are the fucking coolest thing in the world ever. No, they're ever. not. No, they're not. Yes, they fucking... No, shut the fuck up. disgusting. Mushrooms are really cool. No, okay, they might be disgusting, but they're also really interesting. Do you want to hear a fucked up fact about mushrooms? Yes. Okay, let's say you're in the forest. There you are. You're walking along. You're like, hi, I'm Danny. I'm in a forest. And then you're walking along and you see in the ground some mushrooms. You're thinking, wow, that's mushrooms. That must be the whole plant. Psych, bitch. No, it's not. <laughs> that is just the dick of the mushroom plant. How fantastic is that? <laughs> the actual mushroom plant is called mycelium and it's underground. And the, 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 the actual bit that you see is just the fruit of the plant that shoots out spores and then just dies and decomposes. How fascinating is that? That is. I think that's absolutely amazing. That is quite fascinating. Um, and even more interesting, mush- I, I listened to a podcast about mushrooms, and now I just think mushrooms are the fucking coolest. Uh, uh, mushrooms, there's like um, 
they grow in different substances, which is, you know, fairly obvious. So there's that whole thing, um, oh, my work treat me like like a mushroom. They keep me in the dark and feed me shit. And that's, you know, <laughs> funny jokes. But also, <laughs> not all mushrooms do like manure. It's white button mushrooms, the kind of thing that you would have in, like, your kitchen. Those are fed on manure. And I think chestnut mushrooms are as well. I'm not 100% on that one. So the idea is that you have, like, a substrate of, of manure, which is what the technical term is. And you sort of inoculate, like... Um, sterile water with mushroom spores and then you um sort of push the water into the manure at sort of strategic locations and you'll get little mushroom mycelium colonies growing throughout the manure yeah and it will eat it slowly and then the fruiting body will be mushrooms that poke up through the top which i think is is utterly fantastic but the interesting thing is a lot of mushrooms do not like manure they would not grow on manure um the majority of mushrooms grow on wood whether it's old wood or dead wood or fresh wood or anything, they'll they'll grow on that. For example, I was looking at um, I, I, this one. It's one of my weird garden plans. Is I want to start growing mushrooms, because um, there's there was a load of trees in our back garden. I've had to cut bits of them down and stuff. So now I have some tree stumps in my back garden. Mm-hmm. Turns out tree stumps are a great place to grow mushrooms. There's this mushroom called um, chicken of the woods. Right. It's apparently it's supposed to taste like chicken, and that's why it's called that. Um, and you, the idea behind this, I saw this kit online where you get these sort of plugs which are full of mushroom spores. So you drill a hole into a tree stump, poke the mushroom thing, the mushroom spores in, uh-huh. and then sort of seal the hole with this sort of wax that they give you. And then it grows in the tree stump. The mycelium grows throughout the entire tree stump and absorbs nutrients through the roots of the tree and all this sort of stuff. And then you get fruiting mushrooms on the outside of the tree. I just think that's so fascinating. Well, you would need a you would need a tree stump. Where are you going to get a tree stump? Well, I have one. That... Oh, you've got one. Oh, fine, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just think mushrooms are really fucking cool as a as a concept. From concept to execution, I fucking love a good mushroom. Well, um, I think mushrooms taste disgusting and are ru- I... rubbery as fuck. And I I would I would destroy all mushrooms if I had the power well, to. Here's a hot question. How many different types of mushroom have you tasted? Uh, I don't know. I would bet it's somewhere between zero and two. That would be my guess. Well, I don't um, I don't know, so I can't verify that. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to spuriously guess nonsense anyway. But, like, uh, the reason I... Uh, there's another reason I started thinking about mushrooms is uh, our veg guy that delivers veg. Um, he has occasionally this exotic mushroom mix is what the brand that packaged these mushrooms calls it um and it's got like king oyster mushrooms and pearl mushrooms and all these really interesting types of mushroom some that are like pink some that are yellow some that are really long and sort of really tasty and interesting the texture is so different and the taste is so different i just i fucking love mushrooms they're such a cool concept and such an interesting because they're not quite a plant not quite an animal not quite other things. They're more closely related to humans than they are to other plants. Fuck off. Isn't that fascinating? So that is genuinely true. Google it. 100% true. Here's a fucking interesting fact as well. The thing that makes mushrooms not a plant is in the cell walls, as in the little cells of um, with, uh, within a mushroom sort of thing, and within mycelium, they have this substance called chitin or chitin or... I'm not entirely sure what the British English pronunciation is. Um, it's either chitin, which I think is the American pronunciation, or chitin, which I think is like an Australian pronunciation. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. how and how it's definitely pronounced. But that is the same substance as is in uh, the shells of beetles and bugs. That's what makes up the shells of a bug. And that's 
like a, just a completely coincidence that mushrooms have grown chitin over time and have then used it to sort of form the cells which is what gives them such a unique texture i fucking think it's i think mushrooms are one of the most fascinating things in the world wow well you've not sold me (laughs) 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 um no but maybe maybe you can give me a, a, a type of mushroom that i haven't tried and i'll maybe change my mind on the yeah, the next time you come down to the house, I'll make some kind of mushroom surprise. Okay. <laughs> and it'll just, just be, be mushrooms. Like six little boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be six little boxes, the kind of thing that you'd give someone like an engagement ring in. And you pop open the box, there's a little mushroom in it that you have to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we did. Um, did we enjoy the second period of bullshit there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did. Um,. We didn't. We didn't get many uh, Patreon opinions this week for this film, but we did get. We did get one uh, saying from 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 our patron uh, Sophie. Uh, when 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 we asked him, "Give us your thoughts on aliens," uh, Sophie said, "In general or the film," and I said, "The film," and then she said, "Bore," and then I said, "Right, fine. Give us your." Uh, thoughts on aliens then and we'll put that in thinking that she was gonna you know give us some give us something substantial and she said um i like them and uh and then she said if that doesn't get on the podcast i'm gonna be raging so there you go yep you're very welcome aliens everybody but yep um dougie said i've only seen bits and bobs of um aliens um i like how the android says he prefers the term artificial being Art- interesting bit of futuristic political correctness. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, if I was an android, I probably wouldn't like to be called like, a synthetic person. Either. No, I think um, call me Lewis or call me nothing. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't, I don't, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. But there you go. Or, or oi, fuckface. I'll, I'll, I'll respond <laughs> to that if you want. If you're annoyed with me. Yeah. Oi, fuckface, yeah? Oi, fucker. Oi, wanker. <laughs> wanker. Wanker. Um, but yeah, uh, that was that was Aliens. Uh, Indeed it was. With with a little bit of mushrooms thrown in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, let's, uh, shall we do some shilling, Lewis? Yeah, let's do a bit of shilling. Okay. Um, this week's sponsor is the Mushroom <laughs> Department of the local university. <laughs> For legal reasons, oh. it isn't. Um, <laughs> no, no, I don't think it has. I don't think we have like a fung- fungusology department at Staffordshire University. No, I have no idea. Maybe we could start one. Um, maybe we could. Yeah, maybe we could. Probably shouldn't. But uh, <laughs> we have uh, link trees, and uh, Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mines is slash O'Hiram, and the podcasts is slash Shouting into the Void. There you'll find our socials. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. So go have a look. Um, we have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we have Patreon, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do every week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. 
Thank you. One and all, you allow us to keep doing the things that we need to do. Uh, the podcast is up for renewal at the minute, so you are literally financing the entire existence of the podcast. Yes. So thank you very, very much for that. It does mean the world that you're wanting to be such a big part of, of how we make the po- make the show and it does mean a lot to have a nice little community on on discord and to have um to know that there are people that do support and enjoy what we do it really does mean the world so thank you absolutely so thank you um we also have merch on teespring and Redbubble. Uh, we sell tote bags jumpers t-shirts mugs all sorts of shit go have a look see what you like treat yourself why don't you treat yourself you deserve it you beautiful human yeah um and last but not least, uh, we have um, a, a partner. I, I have no idea why I pronounced... We have a partner! Hello! I don't know why I pronounced that so fa- fucking weirdly. Um, we are partnered with an amazing company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue, and Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Uh, Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife in which she crochets and she's very, very good at it. If you would like to see what is what she is up to in the world of crochet, which I would very much recommend as a very aesthetically pleasing Instagram edition, you can go to at number 12 Crochet Avenue on Instagram. It is, quite simply, a brilliant time. So go and take a look. Please do. Well, um, that was Aliens, folks. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed doing that. That was that was a good. I did too. Yeah, yeah. If do you have a favourite mushroom, listener? If you do, please comment. If you're watching on a, a, some kind of service which allows you to comment. Yeah, there you go. Um, but now, Lewis, it is time to decide what we're doing next week. It um, is spin that wheel. Yes. We are doing the film Yesterday. Yeah, I love this movie. It's um, I don't like the Beatles very much, but I like this movie. <laughs> well, the, um, go on. No, I was, I was, I was waiting on you. Oh no, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's it's a really good sort of heartfelt movie. It's on UK Netflix at the minute, so if you have Netflix, it's it's worth giving it a watch before you listen to the episode. If not, we're probably just going to talk about like being nice to people that's i mean that's kind of what the film's about so (laughs) yeah um it's a really really good movie it has some really interesting things to say about sort of life and happiness and what it means to be true to yourself and all this sort of thing i I really like this movie yes um and i listen to the album pretty much on repeat on spotify um because himesh patel has a beautiful voice um so yeah give give the film a watch it's on uk netflix um we'll be talking about it next week brilliant well um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you, see you, hear you, God, I am, I'm, I'm fucking speechless today, we will see, we're, we're, it's coming up on lunch, it's blood sugar, yeah, I know, I need something to eat, we, <laughs> <laughs> I need some mushrooms, that's the way you said that, so desperate, I need something to eat, I need something to eat, Lewis, I know, <laughs> um, we will see you, hear you, smell you, um, desperately struggle get some lunch next time yes um thank you very much for listening goodbye goodbye